that because the market is closed. Good Friday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Herich here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great week out there. It was a strong into the week this week for our markets. We may have finished down a little bit on the week this week, but to finish strong like this, we'll take it. And the strength continued throughout the session today to finish either at or near their highs of the day today, really across the board for our biggest names, our major indexes, and some of our most closely watched sectors here as well. Going to get into all of that today. Uh, But a nice session today, and really after the last two sessions that we saw, it was good to see a finish higher across the board. The last two sessions weren't necessarily terrible, and they did provide a little bit of context to what we saw today, uh, giving us a little indication that we were due for a rally here as we had ugly opens both Wednesday and Thursday, but they were met with good buying pressure throughout the day. Uh, Really, even though we finished lower yesterday for everything but the NASDAQ, we got close to finishing at the highs of the day today. So if you're going to finish lower, that's the way you want to do it right there. And we've continued to see outperformance from the semiconductors. Going to get to that today as well. That's one of our most watched groups right there for looking at the market as a whole. But again, uh, those last two sessions, we did finish mixed to lower there. Uh, But again, it was a nice pattern change from what we've seen the last few weeks, really last few months, uh, where we'll get these you know slightly higher opens and then finish lower on the day, near the lows of the day, right? That's not what we've seen. Even like I said, even though we finished lower, good to see finishing at the highs of the day and to wrap up the week up big and finishing at or near the highs across the board there, especially with how much fear is out there in our market right now. Let me, uh, I always love pulling this one up. The fear and greed index actually has gone up a little bit. We were at extreme fear just two days ago, now in fear mode. Um, But I mean, there's no shortage of reasons for people to be fearful in this environment, right? Think about it. We have so much talk about we're heading into a recession. The economy is slowing. It's clear to see that it's slowing. you got inflation at 40-year highs. That has been the biggest concern on everyone's mind. And of course, even though you get the CPI readings of a 9.1, that didn't really tell you the full story, right? That is a number more so for academics than it is for people living in the real world when you have gas prices up 90% year over year, food prices up far more than 9.1%. Cost of living, uh, whether it be rent, mortgages, childcare, healthcare, all of those up more than 9% year over year. We talk about this a lot. You know, if they really gave us the real numbers of what inflation looked like, it'd be about double where it is today, maybe even more than that, depending on how they calculate it. But they love, love to manipulate these numbers as much as they possibly can. We've also got a Federal Reserve that is continuously hiking rates, talking about even bigger rate hikes potentially uh, coming in, what, about a little less than two weeks now. Um, It's about 13 days away, 12 days away 
from the next FOMC meeting where the odds have shot up. Already the market was expecting a 75 basis point hike. But the odds shot up this week from something like there's a 7% chance of a full 1% hike. Those odds went up to 67% after the CPI reading on Wednesday. So there's another big concern there. If you're seeing the market or the economy slow, raising rates significantly is not going to help that. Uh, so we just have to hope that the Fed can steer clear of another major policy error under Jay Powell. And of course, it doesn't give you any encouragement when you see what's happening with this brain dead administration that we have under the Biden regime here. Really, you know, the, the fish rots from the head down, right? Uh, that's a, this is a perfect example here. Look at Biden. Look at the chaos inside of his administration as a whole. But all of that being said, we continue to see signs here that our markets could finish the year strong, that our economy could remain strong. Yes, slowing, but not talking about a severe recession type of event, maybe a short term couple of months recession. You know, that would be one of the better case scenarios here. You know, we've still got so much of what Trump did over four years that hasn't been completely undone yet uh, and is continuing to help hold up our markets. You can only imagine what this would look like if, uh, you know, Hillary had been elected in 2016. Continue Obama's policy without four years of Trump coming in to shake up the system. Take the boot off of Americans' throats and let us get back to work for four years is the only reason why we have so much conviction that our economy is going to remain strong here, especially after we get a big midterm, right? Uh, one of the things that Kip talked about this week on, he was on, quite frankly, uh, the episode was from Wednesday. Uh, yeah, so check out that episode. It was fantastic. But a, a great point in there was that we saw it under Trump. You know, we could have eight years of dis disastrous policy. And then as soon as you take the boot off Americans' throats, we're ready to flip this thing around on a dime. That's all it takes is the government getting out of our way and letting the American people get to work because we all want a better lives for ourselves, for our families, for our communities. Who doesn't want that, right? And the government's only job is to protect those, our rights. But right now, that's not what we're seeing from our government trying to usher in a new age of a totally different style of system. But again, we see so many signs to remain bullish here on the second half of this year. We've walked through these statistics a good amount here, these statistics and analytics. Uh, but, you know, as we are still in this time, it's important to go back to them over and over again. And uh, like I said earlier, there you have so many reasons to be bearish. That's actually a factor that we love for this market here. We love finding contrarian plays. We've got everyone on one side of a bet. We love taking the other side. That's exactly how we feel right now with the fear and greed index at a 27, with AAII bears at some of their highest levels ever. I'll cover that here in a second too. But as we know from every market sell-off that we've seen in US history, they've been followed by all-time highs. Sometimes that can take a little while, but 
every time without fail, 100% of the time, it has happened. So as long as you're willing to be patient here, now is the time to be buying your favorite stocks because they're at heavily discounted prices here. Now, I'm not saying that you need to load the boat as Kip talked about in his uh, midday video update today is not the time to get cute and try to be calling for a bottom, try to be timing for the bottom. It's exactly why we talk to our subscribers so much about monthly dollar cost averaging. That is the solution. Instead of going all in, buying everything you can at once, you know, go in, pick your favorite stocks and set a buy plan for those every single month. And I can almost guarantee a few years down the road from now, you're going to be very happy with what you did. Just be patient and let the market work for you. But right now we see this as a fantastic opportunity to buy your favorite stocks on sale here. And here's the proof of looking back on recessions in U.S. history, stock market falling in U.S. history. Like I said, every time we end up back at all time highs since 1945, the U.S. has had 13 recessions. And uh, what is really interesting about those recessions is that the stock market often starts to move, break away from the economy three months before the end of a recession. You know, the stock market is not the economy. It's a leading indicator, uh, not like CPI, which is a lagging indicator, right? So the Fed is basing their rate hikes on lagging data. But the market here is a leading indicator. So we'll see the market start to make the turn about three months before uh, the economy really does. Then once the recession officially ends, the stock market is up 84.6% of the time one year later, right? And 100% of the time over the next few years through every instance. Uh, but one year later, the average move higher is 14.5%. Uh, so again, we see this as a fantastic opportunity here, not trying to call a bottom, but just knowing that this is the way that it works and we want to be patient and buy stocks at discounted prices here. And we also happen to think that if we, if we are in a recession right now, which many people measure by GDP estimates, right? Two quarters in a row of negative they say negative growth, right? That's so strange to say, just really negative activity. It's not growth. Um, but as we've seen everything speed up from the advancements in technology to really everything in our lives now, we see the economy being the same way and we see this recession being a quick one here. And a few more quick hitters uh, that, I, that we always like to cover here. Remember, we just got done with the worst first half of the year since 1970. In the previous years, where the S&P was down at least 15% through the first half of the year, going back to 1932, remember, the final six months of the year have been higher 100% of the time with an average return of 23.7%. Next, going back to 1962, instead of just the first half of the year, when you had six months of the S&P being down at least 15%. Also, the next six month period was higher 100% of the time. Seven out of seven times with the average gain being 
17%. So those are the kind of statistics that we like to look at here. Uh, and also, I almost forgot to say this, one year later, the average gain is nearly 30%. So again, now's the time to be monthly dollar cost averaging into your positions on discounts. But as I said earlier, we've also seen the AAII Investor Sentiment Survey break below 20% bulls. That's happened just 10 times going back to 1987. We've also seen record high levels of bearish investors here. We hit just the second highest level of bears in the AAII Sentiment Survey history here. The previous peak marked the market lows in 2009. We're right at those levels now as well. But when you see readings break below 20% bulls, again, that's happened just 10 times. Each time over the next six to 12 months, the market has been higher 100% of the time. It can be choppy in the first one to three months after that happens, but then you've got average gains over the next six to 12 months of 13% over six months and 23% over the next 12 months. So you can see all of the reasons here that we have to be bullish. And we really see very few people talking about these topics, which makes it all the more interesting for us here. We love taking these contrarian plays. Um, you know, buy when there's blood in the streets, the Warren Buffett classic right there. All right, so let's take a look at our market action on the day today. We got a lot of stuff back this morning. As I mentioned earlier, we got a strong open today and really good to see that strength gain momentum into the close as we finish near the highs of the day. And we did it. This is important. We did it on the back of mixed earnings reports, mixed economic news for the week, right? We just got the massive CPI print on Wednesday. But today, for or well, let's take a step back for a second. Yesterday, we saw JP Morgan Chase reporting earnings. Missed estimates, finished down big you know, really missed on the year over year readings. And we saw it again today. We got BlackRock, which no love lost there to these people who want to buy the world and, and rule over it, right? BlackRock missed on earnings, uh, really missed on earnings per share year over year. Wells Fargo also missed on earnings per share, down 48% year over year. But check this out. Both of those stocks finished higher on the day today. Wells Fargo up a big 6% on bad news. That's exactly what you want to see. BlackRock up almost 2% on the day. So as we say here often, and a great time to remember it right now, it's not the news that matters. It's the market's reaction to that news. And today's reaction was very bullish. Um, even uh, Chase, JP Morgan Chase, which was down big yesterday, right? got all of its losses back and then some today, up over four and a half percent after those bad earnings. And it wasn't all bad out there. We got a couple of nice beats today. United Healthcare up 5.44% today. That may not sound like, you know, some people listen to this, unless you're an experienced market watcher, you might say, who's United Health? You know, well, they just happen to be the largest component in the Dow Jones. Helps explain a little bit of why the Dow Jones led the way higher today. Um, also, it's what it's the second largest holding in the healthcare sector, which also finished up nicely today. I'll get to that here in a second. Um, but again, they beat up big on the day. Citigroup also nicely 
beating as well today. Although it was down on a year over year basis, that didn't seem to bother investors much, up 13.25% on the day today. So again, not the news that matters, the market's reaction to the news. We got some better than expected economic news this morning as well. Good to see after you know these high inflation, inflation prints we got this week. Retail sales came in with a beat. So June retail sales up 1% beating consensus estimates of nine tenths of 1%. And the previous month was revised higher as well from a negative three tenths of 1% to just a negative one tenth of 1%. So good to see some economic news starting to take the turn there. All right, so looking at our major indexes on the day today, we finished all four of our major indexes higher, as I mentioned, really either at or near the highs of the day, small caps up 2.16%. To 1,744. Next up, the Dow Jones up 2.15 percent to 31,288. We were followed there by the S&P 500 up 1.9 percent to 3,863. And lastly, the Nasdaq. And while the Nasdaq may not have been our leader on the day, right? It was our laggard up 1.79 percent to 11,452. We saw a lot of good action in the tech sector as a whole today and primarily in the semis you know how much we love the semis here you want to see tech leading and semis leading tech while tech may not have led today the semis beat all of our major indexes up a nice 2.53 percent on the day today and even with our major indexes down on the week you know we couldn't finish higher on the week even with today's good action and Think about the last two sessions, right? Where I said that we saw weaker opens, but some good action throughout it. The semis, can, semis finished up, I believe, all three of those sessions. Let's, uh, yeah, the last three sessions now, and we're able to finish up over four and a half percent on the week this week. So exactly what you want to see: the semis leading the way, and also interesting divergence here today, this week. Even though our markets were down on the week, you know what else was down on the week? The VIX down a big 8.22% today to $24 of uh, 24. Um, and so again, also the VIX finished down on the week this week. That's uh you know the lowest reading in the VIX here in over a month. We'll take it. Getting back to its 200-day moving average now. Good to see. Looking at our internals on the day, this is one area that we've really been looking for some positive changes and we really hadn't had it after a few ugly days of internals this week. Today was a totally different story. Advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks, over two to one positive on the NASDAQ, over four and a half to one positive on the NYSE. Good to see. Nothing new in 52 week highs and lows. I mean, it's just going to take some time. We talk about this here often. It's a lagging indicator as well, but we are seeing improvement. Remember about three weeks ago, we had thousands of stocks hitting 52 week lows. Today, we had a combined 256 stocks hitting 52 week lows. So certainly improvement. Um, and then lastly here, volume, good volume today. 87% uh, upside volume for the NYSE. We'd like it to be 90, but 87% is a good day there. We also finished over three to one positive for the NASDAQ. That's 75% upside volume on the day today. 
Looking at our sectors, we finished with all 12 of our, or sorry, all 11 of our S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. And what a difference a day makes. The financials really leading the way lower yesterday on the backs of that JP Morgan, JP Morgan Chase earnings yesterday. Um, but as I mentioned, Citigroup up over 13% on the day today. JP Morgan rallying back today. And then we had Wells Fargo and BlackRock heading higher today despite missing on earnings this morning. And today the financials led the way. So again, what a difference a day makes. Uh, good to see there. Up 3.5% on the financials, followed there by healthcare. As I mentioned, United Health being up 5.4% helps a lot here. The second biggest uh, in that one, the, uh, Johnson & Johnson is actually the largest, which was also up roughly 1.5% on the day. We're followed there by communication services, energy, and technology. Our laggard on the day, if you want to call it that, we did finish higher, was utilities up two-tenths of 1%. Um, and as the biggest borrowers in the nation, it helps that the 10-year yield was down over 1% today, back down to a 2.93. That's a... Uh, let me double check my notes here. Yeah, that's its lowest level since over, I mean, over a month, June 14th. Uh, is where, sorry, not its lowest level in a month. A month ago, it peaked. Okay, there we go. So a month ago, the 10-year yield peaked. And it was roughly uh, 3.4, 3.48 is where we peaked a month ago. Now being at a 2.93%, that's down 15.8% in one month. That's a massive, massive move from the bond market. So what is the bond market telling us there? <laughs> telling us that a recession is likely, really. Um, but telling us also that the Fed may not be raising rates as much as some people are expecting from here. So good to see the 10-year yield continuing lower. That's been our call for some time, is that we are gonna have, ultimately, over the long term, lower rates. If you look at the last 40 years of bond yields, you'll see a just declining straight down, stair step lower for 40 years straight. Next up for our laggards, again, I hate even calling them our laggards because they finished higher, were consumer staples up four tenths of 1%, and then in industrials up over one and a half percent. Finally for today here, our BRA Commodity Watch, gold roughly flat on the day now, down just 0.04% to 1,705. Silver, came back big today after being down over 5% yesterday, hitting a 52-week low, uh, really its lowest level, I believe, since July of 2020, breaking below $19 an ounce for the first time since July of 2020 for sure. Um, up a nice, though, didn't get all of its losses back today, but up a nice 2.26% to $18.63 an ounce. Copper, higher as well by 1% to $3.24 a pound. And oil, up 1.87% to $97.57 a barrel. Finally here for today, Bitcoin, trying to hang on above $20,000 of Bitcoin, got back above it yesterday, now up 1.2% to 20934 of Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the link at the top. We'd love to have you with us. Thanks again. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you all have a great weekend out there. Until next time, we'll see you back here on Monday for the close.